0: What's going on, guys? My name is David Gimson, I am the host and founder of this podcast, SIDCast, a podcast a resource dedicated to telling stories and sharing the experiences of the sports formation and athletic communications profession. Before we get any further into today's episode, I would like you to go over to iTunes or wherever you get this podcast and leave us a rating and review. It helps the show to grow up on the charts as well as continue to tell the SID story. Also, be sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter at SportsInfocast. And sign up for a newsletter at sidcast.fireside.fm/slash newsletter. Now, let's get into today's conversation. Welcome back to the 150th episode of Sidcast absolutely incredible. Um I tell the story all the time to people. I only plan to make fourteen of these episodes in the beginning. And even when um I, I started hitting episode one hundred, I, I told my girlfriend now fiance, um, that I was gonna think about the future of S I D cast after episode one hundred, if that was gonna be something that uh, we continue doing. Um but for some reason when I hit when I hit one hundred, uh I kept going. Um, and I just kind of took one step in front of the other, making more and more episodes. Uh, we've been pretty consistent here lately. I know that I've kind of slacked off a little bit there in the summer with moving and starting a new job, but, uh, um, here we are and the 150 episodes snuck up on me. And, uh, again, can't thank you enough. I know I announced on Twitter, I think a week ago, maybe that, uh, on fireside, we had crossed 50,000 downloads total. Um, that's not like on, on that new provider. When I switched from SoundCloud to, uh, Fireside, it didn't carry over my statistics. Uh, I think we're actually at about 61, 62,000 right now, I think is the last time I checked total downloads. So we are marching ever so pretty much quickly from one show to the next, um, toward a hundred K download mark even 75k which is would be absolutely insane. Uh and and over the past couple of months here I think November, December and January have all exceeded each other in uh downloads uh, by 500 600. So we we're steadily going up and up and up and up and I think that this is the time that the show's really starting to hit its stride even 3 years later. Um, and I can't thank you well enough for it. So I uh, just want to kind of throw that quick thing in there. We do have Will Rolson today. Uh resides in Greenwood, Indiana, but if you've heard his name before or I guess you could read the title, uh works for Cosada. You might have seen him on a lot of the different um webinars or or anything like that. If you've ever served on a committee that he's been a part of, then you know Will. Uh but actually, do you know where he started and did you know that he was calculated, I think he he did some research one of the youngest uh Head football, head men's basketball SIDs in the country um, during his time at Kent State. Uh, Started at Miami of Ohio. Was an Indiana native. Found his way working with Cosina, and he's all we talk about the dedication to it, the the advocacy that is needed. Um, Some of these salary surveys that you keep getting emails and prompted for by Doug Vance, uh, things like that. What it's intended for, what. It can be done with the information, how this information is planned to be used. I think this is a great episode um, for those of you who, who might not know quite the direction that this information that they're taking as far as staffing and how much money you make a year um, is is being brought in or analyzed or, and what they intend to do with it. However, it may not be immediate, but the fact that this data is being taken, one, a lot of places don't actually do that. And two, that this doesn't intend to be used for future uh, employers, future administration, uh, future SIDs. And that's the focus that you need to have today is on the future. Um, so, yeah, I don't think I'll, I'll ramble on anymore. I'm home right now, took a day off work because of my brother's birthday. Uh, really excited to get this one out to you. I just accidentally turned on TV, didn't mean to do that, but uh, without further ado, let's get to it with episode 150 of SIDCast with Will Rolson of the College Sports Information Directors of America and uh, his sport background going up right here on SIDCast.
1: You know, I Little League, uh, played some rec sports when I was younger, uh, knew pretty quickly that I wasn't going to be uh, an athlete, whether that was due to lack of natural skill or, or not wanting to put in the, the sweat equity that it would take to, to succeed. So uh, always enjoyed sports, always loved being around sports and really wanted to you know, do that for a living. thought, if I can't be an athlete, let me, let me talk about athletes. Of course, when you're young, who knew that the field of sports information even existed? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, I, I, can't say I knew I wanted to be an, an SID till uh, a little bit older, but, uh, you know, sports is something I enjoy Well, there was a younger, you know, watching on TV, listening on the radio and, and, uh, you know, I'm fortunate I get a chance to, to be around sports to this day.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So what was your, uh, kind of college selection like, I mean, did you structure it around finding something that allowed you to get that sport management potential or, or, I mean, spare no detail for us?
1: Sure, I attended Miami University in Oxford, Ohio, the, the original Miami, if I can plug it uh, that way. And I'm just about 20 miles uh, from there in a small town called Brookville in southeastern Indiana. And uh, going back a little bit, if I may, to uh, my high school days, my father worked for Xerox as a copy machine repairman for, for many years. And in the early to mid 80s, he got the Miami University accounts and that included the athletics department. Hmm. He knew I liked uh, sports, again, I didn't even know that sports information existed and got to know the, uh, the SID, a guy by the name of Dave Young, who ultimately, um, was in the side hall of fame, uh, has since passed away and told him, Hey, my son likes to keep track of sports scores and score games and learn about all team nicknames and things like that. And, uh, you know, could he introduce me to him? And, and sure enough. So I, uh, sold game programs at the football and basketball games, huh. you know, and everything. And then, uh, summer after my junior year, I actually spent that whole summer uh, working in the sports information office. They were celebrating their 100th anniversary uh, of football. Uh, so my project, as a lot of people know, Miami is known as the cradle of coaches. Paul Brown, uh, John Harbaugh now, Eric Parsegan, a lot of famous names had come through Miami, and they wanted to track kind of where their, their coaches you know, had gone, head coaches, assistant coaches. And, of course, this is long before you could just Google names and find out, you know, on a staff directory on an athletics website, who's where. Uh, so it, I spent the whole summer basically on the phone doing a, a spreadsheet and graphs of who went where. And if you found out a coach had gone somewhere, you had to call that school and say, where'd they go from there and everything. So um, ultimately I wanted to work for Dave. I wanted to go to Miami. And, and it was really honestly more for the sports information opportunity to work in the athletics department uh, than it was for any particular, you know, major or academic program, even though I, you know, enjoyed the mass comm mm-hmm. program. Mm-hmm. at the university
0: so how did your duties evolve over that time i mean you did some research things and then now you're that you're actually in uh now that you're actually in college it's time i mean you're you're full-blown get to work i mean what was that like
1: right i, I got a chance to get on the ground floor of stack crew software Micronary who started stack if we're selling it to uh, cbs uh, was a Miami grad. He developed the program, and and I was basically the first beta tester. He would bring in his existing software that he knew worked. He'd bring in a beta version of some improvement that he wanted to make, and I would sit next to him, listen to the same caller at courtside, and, and input you know the game. And sometimes it would crash after the first media timeout, and sometimes it would you know be a success, and we'd find out that you know uh, that was a good addition, and we got to do some input on the front end. So uh, that was an exciting uh, part and story I like to share but you know dave gave me the opportunity to help primarily with football you know and basketball Uh, a lot of the other student assistants you know had to handle you know field hockey or tennis or golf or something like that so he gave me opportunities you know that really helped take me you know into the profession and um yeah i got to work the stat crew for the mac tournament i think three Mm -hmm. or four years uh there uh then uh i think it was my my sophomore junior year dave had a second heart attack um, and I got a chance to almost single-handedly edit the football media guide, you know, back when media guides were, were still a thing. And that was probably unheard of at the division one level for an undergrad to get that, you know, opportunity. And, um, and we had an outside publishing company do the graphic design, but in terms of writing the, writing the bios and everything, um, again, opportunities that I was able to put on my resume that prior to this day, very few people uh, could do as an undergrad
0: how did that feel to be able to do that? I mean, cause there are some things to where you might, some people here uh, might have some undergrads that second guess themselves quite a bit. Uh, I mean, how did you develop the confidence to do that? I mean, you really didn't have a choice. I was like, you're either gonna do it or you weren't gonna do it or you're gonna fail. So what did that look like for you?
1: Right, well, I, I was, you know, pretty confident you know, in myself. I look back sometimes and wonder if I was a little, you know, overconfident uh, yeah. in my <laughs> abilities. But uh, as you said, you know, it was there. I took the opportunity. And uh, you know, knew for sure that I wanted to go into the into the business, and thought you know, if I can pull this off, I could set myself up for a you know pretty good you know internship or entry level full time job, out of college. So you know, it was enjoyable. You know, I lived in the in the dorm. The dorm I lived in all four years or the last three years at Miami was the closest one to the basketball arena, which is where the sports information offices were located, and and that was you know by design. And uh, you know, I just want to get through my classes so I can get down to the office and. You know, contributing whatever was needed
0: that day. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Um, yeah, I, I think during football season, my interns hate me in many ways more than just one. But one of them is because I always turn on Mac action during football season, and um, I think there was a statistic like in the East Division of the MAC there's been like a different division champ in like the last six years is that right i mean well i know miami was like the most recent but like isn't it something like that i think it was crazy out there
1: yeah i hadn't heard that statistic specifically but it but it sounds right and it's amazing in the mid-american conference as opposed to maybe some of the power leagues that you know you can go from worst to first or first to worst you know in, in a season uh-huh. uh, it's really you know the, the line between good and bad is that you know is that fine and you know, if you get a couple good players and, you know, get an extra win or two, win a game on the road, and all of a sudden, you know, you're at the top of the conference. And, um, yeah, it's it, it doesn't surprise me because, you know, any team can win in almost any year. I mean, Central Michigan won the West Division this year, and they were picked last in the preseason. Oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Absolutely nuts. That's why I love it so much. Um, yeah. So, kind of, you alluded to you had these great opportunities. You worked more with football, whereas everybody else got to work with tennis. Yeah. Um, obviously the time comes for everybody but it's time to leave college uh you're still looking for sports info jobs. where did that lead you uh what was life like at that time spare no detail again
1: right again going back to the confidence level i I thought for sure that i was going to come out you know with an entry-level full-time job um ultimately it led to an internship at the university of wisconsin and i had interviewed at the university of louisville for their internship Mm -hmm. and uh, if I remember correctly, I had an offer on the table, but I was kind of seeing where a few other jobs may may lie. And I went to my uh, second COSIDA convention, which was in, uh, in Atlanta uh, that year. Went down with a guy named Ryan Bomberger, who's now an assistant SID at Liberty University in Virginia. And, you know, went through the job seekers um, section and ultimately got to meet a guy named Steve Malchow, who's at the University of Wisconsin at the time, now a senior associate AD at Iowa State university and he actually offered me my first job that uh, internship in the stands at the G- old georgia dome hmm. during the cosita uh, softball tournament for those who remember the fun and games at cosita like the softball tournament basketball tournament golf tournament etc so always a great uh, memory and um you know went up to wisconsin spent a little over a year and had a great experience uh, there as well yeah
0: well it's kind of the like kind of the same phrasing A question i mean did you take a step up? Because you were in this area of undergrad where not very many undergrads get to go. I mean, we've got undergrads here that are, are still getting their feet wet with maybe the most they'll go is women's basketball. I mean, but you hit the ceiling, not really like hit the ceiling, but like work with some high profile sports, whereas most people didn't. I mean, so what was what did up look like for you?
1: Yeah, Wisconsin. When I went there, this is before Wisconsin became the, the Badger program we know today. That's perennially in the NCAA tournament, perennially at the top of the Big Ten in football, a top twenty-five contender for the Rose Bowl. And uh, so the year I went there, and, and what I found out quickly is that almost all their other programs were very successful. Mm-hmm. It's just the notable ones, football and men's basketball, um, weren't on national TV because they hadn't deserved it to that point. Uh, But I got to work with the wrestling team, sent a number of contenders to the national championship. Uh, The soccer team uh, got to the elite eight of the NCAA tournament, the farthest they'd gotten uh, at that point, though they did win a national title just a few years uh, later. Uh, So I got to work some great programs. Um, I worked basically as the assistant editor of the football game program. And, uh, you know, back then, again, Wisconsin was looking for any way to get their name out there. they their football team played Michigan State uh, in Tokyo, uh, of all places. Late in the season. Wow. Uh, something you'd probably never hear of today. No. <laughs> and um, so they took a number of the full time staff out there. So I got to go with the men's basketball team uh, out to Loyola Marymount in, in California uh, for their road trip. And, you know, what was great about that season, as I mentioned, you know, their notable programs hadn't been too successful at that point. Football team made the Rose Bowl for the first time in like thirty or forty years, uh, and it have been successful ever since. Men's basketball went to the tournament for the first time in I think forty-some uh, years under uh, Stu Jackson, who now works for the Big East Conference. That worked for the NBA um, after Wisconsin. Uh, so the year they had there was just incredible. Kind of set the stage uh, for what that program you know has become on a national level, and and uh, uh, doing no part uh, to me, but to see that program go from You know, very little national attention to, you know, arguably one of the 15 or 20 best athletic programs in all of college athletics since then.
0: Mm -hmm. So how did we get to this point now where you're working with COSIDA?
1: Yeah, so uh, just a a brief storyline. After Wisconsin, that internship was over. After a year, I went to work for Host Communications Publishing down in Lexington, Kentucky, who at that point and I believe still today does a lot of the NCAA championship programs. Um, you know, they've since been bought out by IMG uh, mm-hmm. College and, and Learfield, and uh, worked for there for a year editing um, programs for the national championships uh, for the University of Texas for the Old Southwest Conference when it was still in, in existence. Uh, but really, yearned to get back on campus. So after about not quite a year and a half, I. Got a chance to be the assistant SID at Kent State University uh, in Ohio. Head SID at that time was a lady by the name of Dale uh, Gallagher, who has since left the business. And, uh, you know, so I was there as an assistant SID starting in 1996. In 1999, at the ripe old age of 28, I was named the head SID. Yeah. And, you know, my research at the time tells me I was the youngest Division One, you know, football SID uh, in, in the country. Um, probably didn't know what I didn't know. Uh, to do that job you know when I first got it uh, but took advantage of it and you know at that point I was the SID for football and men's basketball. Uh, Football went through some lean years but uh, men's basketball went to the Elite Eight in 2002 and if you ever want to talk about you know making memories and Seeing something come together that no one could have believed. I mean, we're talking. This is before the Butlers, before the VCU's, before the Loyolas. You know, teams that from the mid-major ranks that have since made the made the Final Four. Uh, you know, we're one game away. We beat Oklahoma State, Alabama, and Pittsburgh, en route to an Elite Eight matchup with Indiana. Wow. And uh, <laughs> you know, that's so we're playing. You know, Indiana University, and they'd beaten Duke to get to the uh, Elite Eight. Jared Jeffries, an All American. Or the Hoosiers had gone up for I think 30 points and our coaches said he's not going to beat us you know if, if we lose we're, we're going down stopping their best player and he had a decent game nothing great but their outside shooters went 15 of 19 from three-point range uh, hitting everything and still only beat us by by single digits so yeah you wonder you know what would have happened if we'd have been before the Butlers and, and those other mid-major teams that had gone under the final four ever since so uh, great, great memories and and to this day, it's something, you know, I don't go more than a couple of weeks without, you know, thinking about what that ride was like.
0: Yeah. Speaking of the ride, I mean, like you said, you were 28 years old. You calculated you might have been the youngest. Uh, Division one head football, S.I.D., basketball, S.I.D. Um, how did you take that? Did you receive any sort of flack or anything like that from outside media, maybe from other S.I.D.s? Did you ever experience anything like that?
1: I didn't, fortunately. You know, um, I hope I'd made a good impression while I was an assistant. You know, SID, and you know, we had a good women's basketball program when I was an assistant, so got to work at least with the local and regional, you know, media uh, in, in that regard. So, um, no, I think you know, I got the position and took advantage of it, and I hope other people who might be in the same situation, you know, don't, you know, second guess themselves or don't think any less. I mean, you got the job for a reason, and and you take advantage and, and try to make it even better. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're here working with Cosada. I mean, you mentioned that you're at convention. You, we did, you, you used to do some softball tournaments and things like that. Um, so how did you get involved, you specifically? I mean, what was your way in? I mean, did you always want to work with an organization like this, or did you just kind of fall into it?
1: Uh, probably you know, more more the latter. Huh. Uh, I have been on the board the board of directors for COSIDA from 2006 to 2009, uh, as a at large a representative, uh, while I was an associate commissioner at the Horizon League, hmm. and during that time, uh, we had voted and, and hired John Humannuk, who was the first executive director of COSIDA. So going from a totally volunteer-run organization to one with at least you know one full-time uh, staff member, uh, was interested to see how that you know developed. Uh, I was at the Horizon League. Uh, some things changed there in, in 2010 and ultimately uh, the position of what was then director of internal operations was established in early 2011 uh, interviewed got that opportunity and, and started you know in the summer of 2011 um, you know it was more like all of us on staff all five of us now you know we're all former you know SIDs you know at, at some level so you know none of us came at it for being you know um, experts or you know association management executives uh, we'd all come at it from knowing the profession knowing the business knowing the people you know within the business and you know have built it you know from there I, I was I was surprised that you know the second position was added so quickly you know after I was on the board that Barb Koval was, was hired you know in the communications uh, role now adding some professional development as well. And then we've added, you know, Larry Bollig's position as director of membership engagement and Bo White as director of creative services since then. So, um, you know, it's amazing to see the growth again from a totally volunteer run organization, not a dozen years ago, uh, to one with five staff now. And, you know, there's probably enough, you know, jobs and responsibilities out there that, you know, the board at some point may decide to add, you know, another
0: position or two. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Well, I think we talked maybe at lunch when we tested our audio here about you worked, you had to work with a couple of teams and you might've had to work with, uh, I don't know, a hundred, a couple of hundred student athletes, but now you're working with thousands upon thousands of members. If Other than the obvious, what are some differences that you've handled working with even a conference office versus what you, you do now with uh, the overall membership organization?
1: Sure. You know, it, it's, you know, that's a very interesting question. And, and, again, the obvious is you don't have, you know, games, events, and, and wins and losses. Uh, We've about being on a campus or even at a conference you know, office, and, and your your PR role is somewhat subject to the success of those teams. Mm. Certainly you have a game plan of how you're going to promote the conference or the school regardless. Um, you know, but we know, you know, each year our big event is going to be the convention. We know we're going to have continuing education programming um you know, we're looking to do things that are bigger and better, you know, since I've been on board, we've added the National Championship SIDs program, we've added CoSIDA Membership Recognition Week, so, uh, you know, cyclical, you know, in that regard, the convention comes around once a year, basically after January 1st, most of my job pertains specifically um, to the convention, so, you know, I I enjoy that consistency, uh, and I enjoy being able to work with, you know, SIDs, and we're talking at all levels, you know, in 3,000 plus members, uh, and getting to know them. I mean, I always felt like I had met a lot of SIDs in my previous jobs, on campus, in a conference office. But in this opportunity, you know, I get to meet, you know, so many of them in the various COSIDA, you know, roles that I have and the various COSIDA roles uh, that they serve. And we're talking all all divisions, you know. And in any given day or week, I might be talking to, you know, COSIDA President Herbert Vincent, who's at the SEC, you know, arguably – you know, the best conference out there, high-level Division One, And then I may t- be talking to some SIDs at Division III or an NAI school or, you know, one of our, our two-year college member SIDs. And, you know, the consistency of what SIDs do has a baseline. Mm-hmm. You know, PR, working with coaches, working with media. Uh, nowadays, the video streaming, the social media. Um, but the size of the staff they do it with, the expectations, uh, the resources they have, both in terms of hard equipment, uh, staffing, et cetera, obviously vary widely, you know, from Division One to some of the other uh, divisions. And to help them hopefully get better through education, through convention attendance, uh, through advocacy that we can do on behalf of all of our SIDs, it you know, really sets it apart from being uh, a nuts and bolts SID.
0: Yeah. Uh, well, um you're talking to me from your home office, I'm assuming. I mean, there's a lot of sports going on. I doubt every home, every room in your house is like that. I don't think that your, your kids or your wife would like that. So um, what's it like working from home, especially in this capacity? I mean, what does the workday look like for you at home?
1: Right. Well, I wrote a, a, a blog for Kosita's The Bigger Picture blog earlier this month. And if anybody mm-hmm. gets a chance, you can catch that at kosita, uh, dot com. Uh, it's interesting and hard to believe. I'm in my ninth year uh, doing this. Um, of course, I think we know that in society and business in general, it's becoming a, a little more common. Um, you know, jump on a computer, and if it's an office type job, for the most part, you can do a good portion of that job by your computer, on, on the phone, uh, etc. Uh, I've enjoyed it. I enjoy the you know freedoms that, that you know come with that. Um, I always tell people I did a little research before I took this job and. Um, you know, they always say, you know, get you know, get dressed, you know, like we normally head to the office. Try to have defined uh, hours and make it as, as structured as you can, you know, despite being, you know, that home office. You know, you're going to have, you know, the wash may need to be done. You know, the garage may need to be cleaned out. But during that, that day shift, you need to be focused, you know, on, on the job. Uh, I'll be honest. I mean, there are days I wish I could have the, you know, the opportunity or the option to go into an office, um, you know, to see other people just to get that water cooler conversation or that, you know, that dialogue uh, Mm -hmm. and that personal connection uh, that you miss. But, you know, it's almost second nature for me now, again, you know, in, in my ninth year. And, you know, we have some systems in place with COSIDA that we can make sure that we as a staff are staying in communication or sharing ideas or bouncing things off one another, uh, so you know, so I enjoy it, and um, as I let off that blog with, you know, when I tell people I work from home, they fall into one of two categories, and that's, wow, I wish I could do that, or I could never do that. Uh-huh. It never falls you know, down the middle. Uh, there's certainly freedoms and opportunities that come with working from home. Uh, some people may need that structure, you know, of an office or that interpersonal, you know, communication with their their colleagues. So uh, it may not be for everyone, but uh, you know, I've enjoyed it and, and look forward to doing this for years to come.
0: I think I may know the answer to this question, considering you're you were here back in November quite often. Uh, do you ever miss working on game nights or or anything of that nature?
1: Uh, game nights definitely, and that's probably the reason I do a, a fair amount of freelancing hmm. uh, for television or for, or for schools. I probably had thirty five dates this basketball season, you know, alone. Uh, Butler, IUPUI, Indiana University of Indianapolis, and. And then working for some freelance TV companies, you know, and you know, on any given day, I might be doing TV stats or official scorebook, uh, timeout coordinator, uh, you know, you name it. And, and I and I enjoy that. And if I couldn't do that, I, I would really miss it even more. Uh, of course, you know, SIDs have jobs that go well beyond, you know, game night. as is, is mm. you know our audience is well aware? But those are the exciting nights. You know, those are the again the wins and losses, the highs and lows. Uh, You know, excited fan bases see the success of the student athletes, and just to be a small part of that on a somewhat regular basis, uh, you know, still excites me. And I'm glad I get a chance to do that. And the best part is, you know, working this job, I get it. That gets me out to campuses. I get to talk to, you know, the local SID's who I know pretty well. And for most of those sports, there's a visiting SID attending, getting a chance to introduce them, maybe talk a little bit about COSIDA if time permits, and and, in a way to to have that connection with not only, you know, people and colleagues, but, you know, our members, um, you know, and and finding out what they need or what they want, you know, out of COSIDA or what's going on in in their life, be it personal or professional. Uh,
0: I know that this is kind of, going to be kind of um, framed a little way that you kind of have to answer it in the right way. COSIDA advocacy. I mean, how do you approach people who are a little bit skeptical of joining, maybe just flat out don't want to join? Um, what does it look like for you, and what does it look like for the organization as a whole on gaining and retaining new members?
1: Yeah, well, Laurie Bollig, our membership engagement director, does a great job, and, and she's been trying to connect with some of our, you know, young professional SIDs. That's the next generation, and how they view uh, the profession, and more, more importantly, how that generation views uh, membership associations in general quite different, you know, than my generation and those that came, you know, before. Uh, they want to know what they're getting out of it for their for their membership fee. Uh, they want to know what they're getting out of convention for their registration uh, fees. So, you know, advocacy has really kind of floated to the top of cositas priorities recently, as mm-hmm. defined by the board. And, and Shelley Poe, uh, past president, is the chair of our advocacy committee which has only been a place for a short time, but it's really just getting it off the ground and figuring out ways that, you know, they can reach out and cause we, we know that in many cases there's things we can do as a national association to advocate for the profession in general and for the professionals, meeting our membership member SIDs. Um, you know, I think of Membership Recognition Week is at the heart uh, of that, but certainly, you know, not alone. Uh, Doug Vance, our executive director, takes every opportunity he has to you know, talk to his colleagues at, at coaches associations and, and you know, media organizations, basketball writers, football writers, et cetera, to talk about what's going on in, in sports information and how we can best serve them, how they can best work, you know, with us. Uh, but the key part, and we learned this a couple years ago in one of our previous strategic branding studies, is a lot of it comes down to how can we arm our member SIDs so they can advocate for themselves. It's one thing for us to talk to uh, or have Mark Emmer, NCAA president, in some of our uh, in a, a board meeting or an officers meeting at the NCAA convention in January. Um, but how is that going to affect you know person A at the at at B? You know how can we arm them by saying you know if you have this many responsibilities, you need this many resources, or if you're doing this much, your salary ought to be. X. Um, so how can we get that into their hands? And, and to that point, beside I'd two studies going on right now, one is a, a salary survey, uh, which is really going to break down in terms of, you know, by division by rural versus urban um, in the different parts of the country, uh, director, assistant director, and that's open till February 21st. So if someone's listening to this between now and then, you haven't filled out that survey, you should have received a personal invitation uh, to do so. So, the results that come out of that are going to be shared at convention as a start. Uh, but we'll certainly give COSIDA a lot of information from which to work. And as much as possible, we'll filter that down to our members so they can use that in their individual situations. And then Sam Atkinson, uh, our second, uh, or excuse me, yeah, our first vice president, excuse me, um, he is working on an SID staffing survey as well, uh, which has kind of been wrapped in the salary survey, but kind of has its own. Uh, tentacles out there to really figure out you know what does a school need to be successful again if you're a division three school with 30 sports because you want enrollment management you want a lot of teams student athletes coming to your institution you know and you're a one-person shop well you really probably need another assistant and maybe a ga and we'll see where the where the results lead us um, or you need to cut some of your duties and this is where on a personal level information that's gleaned from this survey is going to go out to the members and say here you know here's a a template uh we can't we're not going to be talking to your ad on your behalf that's a conversation to to have you know on that personal you know campus or conference level but here's some information and and kind of stemmed from the athletic trainers a few years ago did a similar survey and not to compare sids and pr with athletic training and student athlete health and well-being you know i don't want to draw that comparison but you know they did a similar survey and developed basically almost an algorithm that said if you have this many sports this many practices if you expect them to go on road trips with you you need this many athletic trainers to best service your student athletes and we think there's at least some similarity there that you know and we can provide information to our sids they can then use that together ad and say if you want me to do all this stuff if you want me to stream every game if you want me to do all these social media accounts Uh, you know, continue traditional SID duties, forekeeping, et cetera, this is what we need to have. And whether that's in the form of full-time intern GA or more undergraduate help, you know, that'll be determined on a case-by-case basis. But those are the two biggest pieces where I think your side of advocacy is gonna play out in a very direct role to help our, our member SIDs.
0: So how do you think that that will be received? Because I'm sure that there are some places who only have one person for a reason, right? It's because either one they can't pay, or two because they don't see the need for it. Um. So how do you are you hoping that'll be received? Um, and, and you mentioned arming these SIDs with the information. How do you hope that it arms them? I mean, is it for better negotiation or anything along those lines?
1: I think it's negotiation, but both in terms of you know a, a salary for themselves mm-hmm. and their staff. They have some, and you know number of staff. Uh, to do, you know, what they need uh, to do. And again, we know that, you know, this, these surveys and the results that come from them aren't producing more revenue on the campuses. You know, it's ultimately, mm-hmm. up to the AD, you know, his or her senior staff or the university, you know, as a whole, to decide we want to put this much effort into athletics and specifically into athletics communication. So it's not going to be a magic bullet, you know, mm-hmm. by any stretch. If anyone expects it to be, uh, I'm here to say that's not how it's designed and that's probably not how it's going you know to play out but not only arming you know the SIDs I mean we're going to take this you know as an association via our board our officers our staff members in our conversations with you know sister associations of NACTA. you know any opportunity you know we get I mean we'll also be talking to, you know, to the media the media wants you know all the services that it has always wanted and more you know and if they're not getting that from an understaffed you know, or under-resourced SID office, you know, we're going to share this with everyone, you know, we can from a, you know, from a national or overarching perspective as well. And if, you know, if we can do that, if, if people can, can use that information, again, on the, on the campus level, um, it's not going to help everybody. Uh, but each person that it does help, I'll consider that a success.
0: It might be kind of a long game play as well, because I, I feel like, right, like you said, right out of the gate, you're not going to move the needle a whole lot, but the more and more you try and get SIDs to come in, maybe into your new position or things like that, and they say that this, like, kind of what you guys said, like, almost like a template, but kind of like a framework to say, like, this is what I need. These are how many people I need. These are the requirements I need. And the more and more I feel like ADs and maybe even administrators say that it might start to change over a longer period of time instead of something immediate. So this sounds like an investment for the future. Am I right?
1: it really is again you know advocacy has always been important to aside uh, i think our membership you know just some membership surveys through the years uh, have told us you know it needs to be at or near the top and i think the board has listened i know the staff has listened and that's brought about you know the new committee that's brought about these new uh, you know endeavors and um you know you got you got to start somewhere mm-hmm. uh, again you know there's there's i, I am not shy to say that I think of all the professions related to college athletics, none have changed anywhere close to as much as, as sports information and PR. And in the past, you know, five, 10, 20 years, you, you name it, uh, because of all the new systems that have come on board that society uses. Uh, and it's no different than, you know, corporate PR. Um, but you know, having fan bases, vocal fan bases, uh, student athletes, the, the diverse audiences that college athletics touches, um, you know, I think resourcing needs to catch up to allow SIDs to do the best job they can, and in turn, best serve student-athletes, the coaches, and the universities.
0: I'm sure you've seen some comments that people usually throw out there, something like, well, what will this change? Well, that just sounds to me like you kind of have a personal issue. If you're not thinking about your intern that's kind of bright-eyed, really, like kind of like what everybody else that I've talked to. Your episode 150, by the way. I've had 150 episodes of people who had – okay, maybe three or four people who knew what sports information was in high school, yourself included. If you're not gonna put in that investment for at least those kids and have these conversations and be willing to have these dialogues and submit this data that you guys are searching for, um, then yeah, you can can roll over and you can just kind of roll over and play possum because that's what it feels like when you're making these cynical comments to me. But I just wanna kind of throw that in there. I'm gonna get hate for that, don't really care uh but again i i see where you guys are going i can't submit it because i don't have a salary i'm paid hourly but uh i completely believe after this conversation with you that this is starting to move into the right direction i I think so Uh,
1: i appreciate that we're certainly you know hoping that maybe one of the best things that cosida you know has ever has ever done
0: Mm. um,
1: and we'll, we'll see where it goes
0: yeah perfect well excited to see where that goes anyway uh, you mentioned that right now your duties are more focused on having convention. So what you said, January first, it all starts moving. So what does that look like for you guys internally as we start? Boy, it feels like uh, June's going to be tomorrow. So what does that look like for you?
1: All right, it, it, it's you know it's an interesting question, and again, you know if I can take a step back a little bit of a short history lesson. When this was entirely volunteer-run organization, I would say that almost everything COSIDA did was centered around you know convention. The program, the awards, the luncheons, um, and everything like that, and having staff who, who have the privilege and the opportunity to think about cosida as a whole, not just convention—you know, 24/7, 365—I uh, I like to think you know ha- has helped. And in my role, you know, as convention manager, it's overseeing a little bit of all that. But all five of our staff members have a very deep role in terms of various aspects of the convention, be it you know, academic, All America Hall of Fame, be it the the programming, be it the signage, um, coordinating the five K in conjunction with the goodwill and wellness committee, uh, just to name a few, but, you know, it's my responsibility to kind of oversee all of that. And, and really for me, you know, this comes into play in terms of, you know, reserving, you know, rooms, working with NACTA, you know, years in mm-hmm. advance to set up the relationship, whatever that next hotel might be, you know, we're in a first time location in Las Vegas coming up here. Give me a lot of things new. Um, and you know, we've got to, you know, really have everything buttoned up. Uh, but for me personally, you know, um, logistics of, you know, what sessions are going in what rooms. We have a finite number of rooms at different sizes, so what sessions are going uh, where, uh, sleeping rooms, uh, working as, you know, I mentioned when we were offline of you know, last Wednesday we opened up our convention registration and our, you know, hotel reservations, setting up both those systems so they work hopefully, you know, seamlessly and bringing that all on board. Uh, and then you know, as we get closer, you know, with you know credentials and closing registration, and you know any transportation if we have any off-site events, transportation for our VIPs, like our academic All-America Hall of Famers. So, you know, it's uh, as we often call it, you know, the convention is our Super Bowl. It's our big event you know, of the year, and we it has to it has to go well. It has to look good. It it touches directly a third of our membership, you know, on a very personal uh, level. Uh, does that mean there's not going to be some things that We'd wish we'd done a little better. Uh, no. But, um, you know, putting, putting all that together and, uh, and seeing it go well, uh, you know, there's not a better feeling. And you mentioned about getting into a position of, you know, working with COSIDA, serving our membership, and seeing how it impacts, you know, so many people who are not only, you know, our members uh, or colleagues but have become you know, my friends, our friends, you know, as a staff. And seeing them enjoy themselves, uh, whether it's being honored with one of our special awards, whether it's you know, being a speaker or a moderator, or just being an attendee and kind of taking in all that information. You know, it's, it's a fire hose of, of new uh, and hopefully good information for them to, to take home and take back to their office and, and put to use. Um, you know, and, and you and some others, you know, have seen the convention programming, and it's not just about what makes me a better SID, as in a better writer, better understanding of social media. Uh, latest tips and trends for video streaming, but you know, how can I be a better you know person? Whether that comes in the form of you know type man, time management, um, I mean, we had a, a dietician a few years ago, um, you know things like that to make you a better person. That ultimately hopefully will make you a better you know SID. So mm-hmm. um, it's a great experience. There's many hands in it, and I'd be remiss if I didn't you know also thank you know the committees and the divisional groups put on you know various sessions divisional day has really become one of the the best and probably the most popular parts of our convention Those divisional leaders put in the time to do program that's specific you know to them mm. uh, you know we might do these overarching programs that hopefully pertain to everyone at least in part but um, you know there's so many hands in it that, that put it all together and it's our job and my job to, to management it, manage it and make sure it all you know, comes out to the best possible
0: end. We will uh, have the co a preview episode, I think in May is when I usually do that. But um, just real quick, what's, what are some new things that people can expect? I mean, you got a new location out in Vegas. Uh, outside of that, what can they expect?
1: Right. Uh, we're working with with NACDA. One of the things they're putting on, the first night they're having a, a big concert in, in one of their uh, big halls. It's uh, Taylor Hicks, who people may remember a number of years ago from uh, from American so they're bringing in, you know, in a name act, and that's open to all attendees. You know, NACTA and its affiliates, you know, COSIDA and everything. So um, this is the first time where all all of the affiliates, seventeen, eighteen, however many it is, will be under the roof for the same basic three and a half four day time frame. In Orlando, in most previous years, they have to bring in some of their affiliates, you know, for a couple of days prior uh, because not everybody fits under one roof at, at one time. So that's been a goal uh, of NACTA. This is the first time it's playing out. Uh, like that, so you know we've got you know the concert, um, you know some of the things specific to cosida. Um, you know we've got the cosida nacma joint session, which is usually on social media or some you know common topic of uh, of interest. Uh, that's going to be on Tuesday morning before kind of divisional day uh, hits in earnest, and then the breakout sessions for us and, and NACMA will take place on uh, Wednesday you know afternoon. So that'll break that up. Uh, just a little bit uh, different. We're still working on some of our you know, social events in conjunction with our partners like from ESPN, who always hosts a great event uh, for us. Uh, Academic All-America Hall of Fame will still be you know, uh, late afternoon, early evening uh, on Monday. And, and I've heard some of the names bantered around that uh, maybe you know, voted in. If they accept, uh, we'll be a, a star-studded class, again, as we've had a number of times in recent years. So uh, And you know, names, all those people are great. You know, even if you haven't heard of them, but I think this class is going to have some more of that, you know, name brand value that uh, hopefully will encourage people to attend that ceremony and, and take it all in. So um, we think it's great. You know, it's going to be interesting. As you said, a, a new location, but uh, we know we're going to be, you know, in Las Vegas again, Mandalay Bay in 2022. And, you know, uh, perhaps, you know, even, even longer. So, uh, you know, we're looking forward to it. Staff went out for a site visit in the fall. Uh, may do another side this here in the spring to kind of finalize things but um you know it's going to be it's going to be new it's going to be different and it's definitely going to be exciting
0: awesome well we're all looking forward to it myself included um let's uh move on to some things uh i usually like to ask people towards the interview um some fun questions how does that sound sure all right awesome well um it. you kind of alluded to memories there a little bit earlier how about a uh, favorite memory in your professional tenure
1: uh, well, it still probably has to be that Elite Eight run by the Kent State Men's Basketball in 2002, but, uh, and I talked a little bit about that earlier, but a close second would be in 2010 when I was Associate Commissioner of the Horizon League. I was one of the um, media, local media co-hosts for the Final Four in conjunction with the NCAA staff. And so I had done that in 2006, so I was familiar with the duties. Uh, but then to have Butler come through out of nowhere, uh, you know, uh, win a couple of games in Salt Lake City in the regional, all of a sudden they're coming home. Mm-hmm. Uh, to Indianapolis you know uh, people may remember the stories their kids went to class on the day of the national championship game and then drove down to the stadium for the title game uh, you know to see a team we talked a lot here about you know the mid-majors to get that opportunity to to advance far and what they did would have been amazing anywhere I think it became more amazing the fact that 2011 in Houston they did it again <laughs> on a team that probably didn't have as much talent uh. but stepping back you know, to 2010 here they are getting to the final four yeah, almost out of nowhere, and to do it in Indianapolis. I mean, we talked about how you know there's never been a team make the Super Bowl in its home stadium. Yeah, you know, and to have any team be you know be close. Uh, Michigan State was in Detroit a number of years ago. Now, pretty close. Michigan State, obviously, uh, a stellar program with a great fan base. But for Butler to do that here um, was phenomenal. Um, so to be part of that, and I always joke that the national championship game they're playing Duke. A lot of people remember that. Last shot by Gordon Hayward. If it goes in, Duke or Duke goes down. Butler wins, and it's even a bigger story than it, than it than it is. But I was working in the media workroom, watching the game on TV, and thinking at some point I need to go out of courtside and at least say I saw this game quote unquote live. Um, but they kept being in the game and it got down to that final play. I'm like, they're still in it. I, not that I'm superstitious, but you know I haven't watched any of it from courtside. I'm not going to do it yet. So, uh. the thing is being that close that involved you know local host like assistant commissioner of the conference of butler's in at the horizon league and basically i watched the game on tv like people did in any other corner of the country
0: nice. awesome um what about on the other side of the coin uh if you have one what's your biggest horror story um and again if you have one yeah if cool there was, if not. i was
1: I was at the Horizon League, and we were looking to add uh, a new member uh, school. And it was ultimately decided it was going to be a Valparaiso University since, since gone on to the Missouri Valley Conference. And so, you know, putting together the release right ahead of time, and I'm going to go up to their campus just a couple hours drive from Indianapolis where the Horizon League office was, and I'm going to you know, go up there and be with them for the afternoon press conference. But in the morning, basically, I'm putting together the email, you know, national distribution list. And then setting up my email, putting it in draft, and then, you know, when 2 o'clock or whatever time the, the announcement is made at the press conference, I'm going to hit send and kind of send this information out. Because, again, you know, unlike today's day and age with social media, we had kept it completely quiet that that was going to be leaving what was, you know, leaving the Summit League and joining the Horizon League. And I'm in my office that morning, you know, within an hour, probably getting ready to jump in the car and head up. And something that happened to me then has never never happened to me before, never happened to me since somehow I hit send mid morning. So it all goes out there. Um, you know, I'm petrified, you know, uh, but, but talked to my commissioner, he was cool with it and immediately called Valparaiso and said, you know, you know, the show must go on. You're going to have your press conference. It's not going to be quite as much of a surprise as you may, um, think. And, and, every, and they were fine with it. I, I still got a chance to go and, and, and be part of that. But, um, you know, ever since then, um, you know, I don't uh, actually put the emails in the two category in my email until I'm definitely ready to, to, to send something. So, uh, a story I really haven't, you know, shared, you know, personally, but uh, time and, and, and distance uh, have, uh, you know, separated it and, you know, all good with Valparaiso and, and um, you know, but, uh, you know, at the time, to talk about wanting to go hide in a corner.
0: <laughs> yeah. You know, there's always those things that happen where you're like, how did this information get leaked, you know? Like, how do people know? And it turns out that you just accidentally hit said. <laughs> I wonder yeah. if there's more things like that than people realize out there. Um, yeah. Uh, in your mind, what traits or characteristics make a good SID? Uh, you know, I,
1: I think the same things that make, you know, a, a, you know a, good, a good person, you know, honesty, you know, trustworthiness, but we'll – to go that, that extra level and, and you know, c- connect with, with everybody that you work with, you know, from student-athletes to the coaches and administrators, both in your athletic department and around your campus and certainly, you know, the media as well. But just, you know, just being open, uh, picking up the phone to call people, you know, you know, not being afraid to pick up that phone when someone calls and, you know, going that, that extra mile. I mean, uh, I know the business has changed. So I was on a campus or in a conference office the past 10 years. You know, uh, I'm not going to be one of those people that says, you know, it was better way back then. It's just different, uh, you know, now, but it's still a people business. And, uh, you know, for anybody that, you know, might be hiding behind a a monitor or a video camera or, you know, a social media screen, you know, get out there and and, and meet the people.
0: Awesome. Good words to live by. Um, Am I correct in saying, is, is your son going into some SID work as well?
1: He, he plans to. He's a soft, My oldest son, Noah, is a sophomore at the University of Indianapolis, just up the road. And he works in the sports information office for you know, Ryan Thorpe, Cody Wayne's and Alec Rohr in the Greyhound Sports Info Office. Um, he also does a fair amount of broadcasting for their student radio station. He's going to do a couple games in Missouri this coming week, and he runs their video stream for all their home basketball games and hmm. wants to do a little bit more. So uh, he's come to the last couple of COSIDA conventions, helped with registration, helped with video streaming, Or um, some of the uh, awards luncheons and everything so he thinks he wants to follow in my footsteps he's got a couple more years where he has to hit the real world but uh you know i'm I'm proud of him as of all my boys but it's interesting to see him you know take a liking
0: to uh you know to what i've done it's always funny because you either i feel like there's some kids that just do not follow at all what their parents are interested in like mine my dad's super into cars works at a power plant and then my brother's a police officer, and I like sports. <laughs> it's kind of funny how the, all the dynamics seem to work. So, um, yeah, next time someone's in Greenwood, as I was Sunday, I think. When was wrestling? Wrestling was Sunday. I was in Greenwood Sunday. Uh, what's your restaurant or bar recommendation?
1: Um, I would say uh, Oak and Barrel, a local place at Main Street, 965. Uh, good local craft beer and very good food. So, uh, check it out.
0: Awesome. Um, outside of uh your office, what do you do to have fun? Well, I, I don't know if it's too fun, but I, I
1: stay busy. My my sons have all been in the marching band here at Greenwood, which is a multi-time you know state champion, and and my youngest son, who's still in high school, is very active with the band. So I do a lot with the other we call you know dads of of the kids and building props and moving props and mm. and, and everything. So uh, I have also been active, you know, in, in scouts and everything. So. Um, those keep me busy. Um, I enjoy them. I don't necessarily call them fun, but they do end up having a degree of, uh, you know, of fun. And, right, yeah. You know, so that's, you know, that's my life right now. And, you know, once my youngest gets out of high school, things will probably uh, change. But, uh, you know, uh, I still enjoy getting around my, my share of sports and whether that's working them for some of the positions I mentioned earlier just going out as a fan, um, you know, sports is is still in my my blood, even though it, my day-to-day job has more to do with you new know, members and PR than it does with sports specifically.
0: Uh, if people didn't already know, what would be the best way to get in touch with you?
1: Um, you know I'm on, you know, all the channels, uh, you know, you know, Twitter is at, you know, W Rolson. So you can find me there. I'm on, you know, Facebook, if you search for it. And, um, know always looking to make those connections and all my stuff is on cosida.com. So, Whether you're reaching out personally or professionally, um, you know, make a connection. I'm fortunate to be here in Indianapolis. A lot of SIDs come through here for, you know, sporting events, be they, you know, regular season games or conference events or, you know, national tournaments. So uh, I always encourage people, if you're coming in and you got some time, you know, give me a call and um, decide we'll uh, grab you dinner or coffee or whatever you have time for.
0: Awesome. Well, well, thank you very much again for coming on. We all really do appreciate it.
1: I appreciate appreciate what you do for for SIDs and uh, for COSIDA by spreading the spreading the stories of our members.
0: Thanks, love it. I'll keep going as long as people keep listening.
1: Sounds good.